Hello, and welcome to Two Profs in a Pod. I'm Tanisha. I'm Beth. And we are professors and also faculty developers here at Glendale Community College in Arizona. We love talking about teaching, learning, and other fun stuff. And we are so excited to just continue what where we left off last time. Where did we leave off, Beth? Last episode, we started an interview with Dr. Terry Leba Ruiz, the president of Glendale Community College in Arizona. And this time, we are going to go ahead and continue with the second part of that interview, Tanisha. And we hope you enjoy. Are you working on ways, like as you're reading this book, are you thinking of of ways that you can help us oh, and yes. push us toward oh my gosh. this like, oh, new yes. vision. Okay. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes. I think that's the exciting thing. So as a when I was the interim for two years, you know, you're kind of restricted. You don't want to make too many changes. Yeah. You know, um, you, don't, you just don't make too many changes, mm-hmm. right? But now that um, I'm your permanent president, <laughs> there are there's a lot of things, and, and and I know this might make people crazy. Um, but you know, leadership 101, okay, here's a leadership lesson. You always have to be true to who you are, right? Right. Your, your, um, your values and your beliefs are what form who you are as a leader. And I am a teacher, the heart of who I am, I am a teacher, but I also tend to be a little competitive. Mm. (laughs) So when I, when I read these books and when I hear that ASU who are innovative, know they are a research mega house and rightly so but they are also looking inwardly at how they teach their content mm-hmm. and so now they are promoting innovations in the classroom which quite frankly I believe is our wheelhouse absolutely and that's where we should always be innovative mm-hmm. in the classroom because we are a teaching and learning institution we are not a research institution right we value the scholarship of teaching and learning and so that's our wheelhouse. And so it's when, when ASU, and I'm glad they're doing this as mm-hmm, a proud sure. Sun Devil, mm-hmm. I am glad that they are looking at how they teach what's in the classroom as a blended activity, bl- blended active learning. And they have great results to show that students who are engaging in a blended active learning class have higher success rates. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic, but that's our wheelhouse. Right. And so, yes, my vision for what does GCC look like in the future? is exactly that. It's challenging, it's engaging, it's high expectations, but helping our students get there, helping our faculty stretch beyond. So yeah, we're thinking, in fact we are, um, we are going to have an innovation fund and this innovation fund, I know CTLE has an innovation fund, right? Mm -hmm. So we're going to piggyback off of what you guys are doing, maybe infuse more money into what you are already doing, right? Because this, and I really believe that the innovation taps get turned on. Right. Somebody yes. starts doing something innovative, and then and this is the this is what humans can do that computers can't. Right. You take that idea and you go, oh, what if I tweak it just a little bit? Right. What if that gives me an idea for something else? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Humans can do this. Robots cannot. Mm-hmm. So if we turn on those innovation taps, and if we believe this, and we and, and we then we need to support it. Right. Right. I love it. If this is our mission, then let's put some money behind it. Mm-hmm. Let's get some innovations in the classroom. Let's encourage everyone to. You know, find ways to teach in a way so that our students are robot-proof. How's that? I think that's that's great. great. Yeah. Thank you. I learned something new. What's that? That you're competitive. Oh, yes. And I I love that. (laughs) Yes. I'm very competitive. I like to be number one. 
I hate but being I last. But I mean, like, all of us. Right, exactly. Yeah, right. Which is why. Team. Yes. Yes. Well, the only way we're going to move forward is if we all do this together, mm-hmm. which is why when we share our data on our NCCBP data, our National Community College Benchmark Project data, and we are not number one. When our sister colleges are all bellwether finalists, yeah. or Aspen finalists, and not Glendale Community College, oh, that just drives me crazy. Me too. Mm-hmm. Because we, we, are, we are a powerhouse. Mm-hmm. So we just have to look at what we are doing mm-hmm. and make sure we get the, the credit for it, the you know, the props for it because right. we're awesome. Yeah. We and we know we're amazing. Agree. Right. So and we have some work to do, you know, <laughs> undoubtedly. You know, oh, yeah, we absolutely. have some work to do. But if we own it, if yes. we own that, then we will surpass everybody. I am that's the competitive side. Sorry, Beth. Awesome. <laughs> no, I think that's great. <laughs> no. Thank you. Thank you. No. So for the next piece I kinda wanted to I had this thought about what you talked about challenges of our students. Mm-hmm. So our students have challenges, but also, you know, the bigger picture when we look at higher education as a whole, faculty and staff mm-hmm. also have challenges as well. Uh, at GCC here over the years, we've had challenges on a local level, regional level, national level. There's so many levels. Um, so the, the next question is really, how do you plan on advocating for faculty and staff during your tenure as president? So I think it starts with trust. Yes. So I think we need to do some a little bit of rebuilding of trust. I think, and I'm not, I'm not quite sure. You know, so many things are out of our control. So I, I like to tend to focus on the things that we can control, mm-hmm. and we can control um, the level of trust that should be there between all of us, between our students and our faculty, between our faculty and administration, between our staff and administration, between staff and faculty. And so somewhere along the line, things got a little broken. Mm. And so one of the first things I want to start doing is, is rebuilding that trust because we're all here for our students. Right. I, I firmly believe that. We are all here for our students. So that's our common thread that links mm-hmm. us. I'm not here to, you know, you know, the, the normal presidency for, the normal tenure for presidency is three to five years. That's what the data shows. Isn't that terrible? Yeah. I'm sorry, y'all are stuck with me longer No, I'm, <laughs> is, is, okay, but is that, is that because they go somewhere else as president? Yes. Or, okay. Yes. And yeah. sometimes they also retire, too, as well. Well, like three to five, some, yes, Anna, yeah. Some do. Some but do. for the most part, they move on. Some, most part, okay. they move on, okay. yeah. I, I think we've seen a lot of retirements here in Maricopa, but not because they've only been here for three years. I just think, yeah. you know. But nationwide, the data shows that a normal tenure for presidents is, is three to five years. Yes. And then they move on to something else. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm a hometown girl. I forgot to mention that. You know, <laughs> I, I'm not born here, but I was raised, I've lived here since I was three. I lived in South Phoenix, raised in South Phoenix. Mm-hmm. I still live in South Phoenix. Mm-hmm. You know, oh. yeah. So, you know, and I always think of Glendale. Every time I drive down Glendale Avenue, I always think I'm driving down South Central. Because mm. to me, it's one and the same. It's the same community. We mm-hmm. say, we serve the same students, the same demographics. Yes. You know, it's it's all it's all the same community. Mm-hmm. So I have no plans to go anywhere. And I so because I'm I don't have plans, you know, to, to go on to something yeah. beyond a president. I'm not trying to make Terry look good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not about it's not about Terry. It's it's I'm your I am your president. My job is to serve you. My job is to serve our students. Mm-hmm. My job mm-hmm. is to ensure that GCC has what we need so we can serve our students and our community. I think I need people to start believing that because I'm not mm-hmm. sure when I say that people kind of look at me like, oh, well, sure. But this is not about me. Mm-hmm. This is about what I can do to help move GCC 
forward so where our students are robot proof, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But as your advocate, and I will be your number one advocate, but I, uh, when I was the vice president of student affairs, I told my staff this as well. So all my managers and all the frontline staff, I will be your number one advocate. Mm-hmm. But that means I also have very high expectations. Mm-hmm. I have expectations in how we serve our students. Are we consistent? Are we following all policies? And are we keeping our students safe? But as your president, those same, same three things apply. Are we consistent? Mm-hmm. Are we following all policies and regulations so that nobody gets in trouble? Right. And are we keeping our students and each other safe? I will be your number one advocate, but I will have very high expectations. But in order for me to be your advocate, I have to know what's, what's going on. And right. so I've learned I am a micro-knower, not a micromanager. I don't want to tell you how to do your job, but I want to know everything about your job. Not because, you know, again, I don't want to get into your, you know, your daily operations of it, but that's the best way I can be your advocate. Uh Right. Because if I know what's happening, then when I'm at a board meeting or I'm out in the community meeting with our community partners, I can speak with firsthand knowledge of who GCC is. And what's important to our faculty? I love when I get invited into the classroom and I see mm-hmm. some amazing things happening. And my, you know, people are busy and schedules get tight. But as often as I can, I love to get into the classroom. You know, going out to see when we have um, at GCC North, we have Science Night or Look at the Stars Night. I forget what it's called, mm-hmm. but it's so much fun. And it's our students who are doing the presentations on the telescopes. We have like six GPS telescopes. Yeah. Getting out and listening to the students, you know, they'll lock on to Mars or Jupiter or Venus or something, and then the GPS telescope tracks it as the night wears on. And the students are so well-informed. Or our chemistry faculty who are doing, you know, fluorescent blow-ups at night, which is just yeah. really cool, and, and cool physics things happening. I will be the number one advocate because I'm a micro-knower. I want to know what's happening so I can speak to it. And so it starts with, you know, while we can't control what happens on a national level for sure or even at a local level and policies get passed um, outside of any influence that I might have. Mm -hmm. And we know that policies are passed through our governing board. But what we can control we should own. Mm-hmm. And we can control what happens at GCC. We mm-hmm. can control how we treat each other, how we value each other, how we encourage each other, and how we hold each other accountable. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we're talking about going down, I'll, I'll talk about guided pathways for a little bit. So guided pathways is going to have a tremendous impact on our students. Mm-hmm. Because w- right now the student, who, you know, any student who comes to us and they're like not quite sure what they want to do and so they wander around. We know our data shows that students who graduate with an associate's degree, a 65 credit hour degree, mm-hmm. have upwards of 80 to 90 credit hours. That's a lot. Yeah. That's, you know, that's 20 some credits that they took that they didn't need to take. The mm-hmm. time and money, something that, you know, two resources we have, you know, very little of. Mm-hmm. Time and money. So our students are taking classes they don't need, they're not getting the right guidance. So the, our world is going to change. Guided Pathways is going to help get us there. Along that pathway, do you remember I said this a couple of years ago? We're going to hit 75%. Yes, yes right? I remember that. Okay. I, was at that. I was there that day. Yeah, that was, <laughs> that was just a couple months ago, I believe. Well, I, <laughs> so yeah. So what, what made me get to that number is right now, for all of our new first-time-to-college students, for us, for GCC in the fall, that's about 3,500 students. That's a lot. 
after three years, only 25% of them have graduated or transferred mm-hmm. somewhere else. But they're still in school, right? Mm-hmm. Only 25%. Mm-hmm. That puts us at like the 19th percentile in the nation. The national average is 37%, which I still think stinks, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What that's saying is 25%. One out of every four of those students, one out of four will graduate or transfer. Well, I'm sorry, that's just unacceptable. Right. So, hey, go big or go home, right? I told you I'm competitive. Mm -hmm. So we're going to do 75%. So we're going to flip that and say 75% of our students, first time, new to college students, will transfer or graduate within three years. Mm -hmm. That's an incredibly high number. There are, there are community colleges in the nation who have hit that mark, mm-hmm. right. but they're very usually very specific technical colleges. Um, so, but universities who've gone the Guided Pathways model, they've hit that mark. Okay. So Guided Pathways is gonna help. And I know that this makes people anxious when I talk about 75% because it's like, how are we going to get there? It's going to take a lot of hard work is, is how <laughs> yeah. we're going to get there. Well, it's yeah, going to take exactly. a lot of hard work. Yeah. And people say, well, Terry, you know, our students, maybe they're just not, you know, college ready. To which I say, well, yet they're here. Right. Yeah. They're here. They, right. Do you know how hard it is? Do you, actually, I'm asking. Do you really know how hard it is to enroll in a class? Well, Tanisha, you're one of our students. I know. Former student. Former student. Yeah. Former student. And it was... You know, I mean, when you have no clue, especially me yeah. when I was a first-generation college uh-huh. student, and you're trying to work with advisors, but it's kind of like you're feeling your way in the dark. So quite a bit of energy is just trying to figure things out in right. the system mm-hmm. and the process and the programming and taking the right class and taking it at the right time. So, you know, I can kind of see how someone, if I guess if they're not like maybe driven or motivated or determined or they're kind of like have one foot in one foot out like they come Mm -hmm. across that first barrier and they're like I'm done right so if you can kind of help to kind of overcome that that initial hump I think that will help to retain some of those students in the initial process so 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 exactly so and even even with all of how difficult it is to actually become a student to get enrolled and go through financial aid process and all all of of those hoops still We have 3,500 students new right. to GCC each fall. 3,500 students decided that's to stick it out. And that's, yeah. a lot. that's a lot. That's a lot. So yeah. talk about tenacity and, persis- and persistence right away, right? right? And yet we're losing 75% of them or 75%. I don't know where they are, right. but after three years, they haven't graduated or transferred. Right. So that's why I'm saying, you know, they're here. They made a choice and a decision to come here. So let's keep 75% of them. Now, granted, 25%, you know, life happens. Life right. happens. And, right, right. and we know our students' lives are complicated, and anything can upset their apple cart. But I don't want what upsets their apple cart to be something that we did, something that maybe we didn't do in our enrollment center or our financial aid or something that maybe they had a bad experience somewhere. I don't want those who leave, leave because of something we did. Right. If they leave, it's because life life challenges. Right. Life, right. Life happened. Right. Right. But there are sometimes instances where you hear about students who leave because of maybe an interaction with yes. faculty, or sometimes like students are sitting there and they're they're in class and they feel, I'm not supposed to be here. Yes. I don't belong here. And I think that is really a feeling a lot of people have. Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm not supposed to be here. I don't belong here. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially, I think, in higher education as a whole. And 
I'm trying yes. to, in a very subtle way, segue into our next question. <laughs> <which has to, laughs> <laughs> um, what I what we know that some students experience, which is actually imposter syndrome. Absolutely. Right? Where you feel like, the, even though they have the skills, they have the talent, they just, they despite that evidence, they feel like, I'm not supposed to be here. Mm -hmm. And I think faculty, staff, students, a lot of people experience this. So um, that's why one of the, that's one of the reasons why we want to talk about that in our next episode. We want to talk sure. about imposter syndrome. Yes. So that helps me to segue into the next question is, have you ever experienced <laughs> imposter syndrome? And if you're not familiar with imposter syndrome, imposter syndrome is, is, I think the best way to really describe it is when you feel like you're in a place or a space where you feel like you don't belong, even though evidence shows that your skill set your talents, your test scores, your achievements, your awards show that you do, yeah. you still feel like I'm not supposed to be here. Yeah, so yeah. have you ever experienced that? Gosh, yes. And what was, what was, <laughs> what was your experience with imposter syndrome? I have, you know, I never knew there was a word for it until, yeah. you know, 10 years or so ago. And, and it was really validating, first of all, to, oh, there's a, there's a syndrome for this? From yeah. what I feel. <laughs> well, that, that makes me feel better. And I wonder if this is more prevalent in women that is men. It is. Yeah. That was just a hunch. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. no. We looked at no, some information and preparation uh -huh. and we found women experience and, it. In, and minority. Uh, yeah. Yes. Uh, minorities. Uh, minorities um, especially if you think about the combination of the two, right? Women mm -hmm. and minorities, more specifically women of color. Yes. And um, just flat out academia. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All the time. You know, I, when I was a, a student at ASU and I was studying to be a math teacher, this was, you know... 30 years ago, and I would und I would be one of the few women, mm. but I would be the wow. only Latina mm. in those calculus classes. Yeah. And, in every and calculus is just the beginning to become a math teacher. It's calculus yeah. is your starting point, and oh, then you gosh. just go from there. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> Ooh, okay. but, but I would be one of the few women, and certainly the only Latina in those classes and and talk about feeling like I don't belong and and because I felt I didn't belong I was too embarrassed to ask a question because then you'd really know I don't belong mm. which is you know silly because you should ask questions you should yeah. always ask questions mm -hmm. and then when I became a math teacher and the first time I taught trigonometry it's <laughs> oh, no. like oh my gosh they I I you know you're caught off guard because I I, I took these classes. I should be able to teach them, but I don't think you really know your material until you teach your material. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there are there have been many times, you know, in the classroom as a student, in the classroom, as an educator, and as I made that transition to an administrator, all the time have I felt like I was an imposter. When I first mm -hmm. became the the interim president, mm -hmm. all I could think of was. Oh my gosh, they don't know I'm just a kid from the South Side and I'm not supposed to be here. <laughs> That's all I can think. But yeah. you grow into your job. Yeah. Mm. You grow into your job. And you and that imposter syndrome, while I don't feel that way all the time anymore, mm -hmm. there are times when I think, Oh my gosh, am, am I am I really supposed to be here? And, and 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 in many aspects, for me myself, I am at the pinnacle of my career. I have achieved what I've worked towards for 16 years right. to become a president of mm -hmm. a community college where I know I can make a difference in the lives of our students and our community we serve every single day. Mm -hmm. So yeah, there was times when I think, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. But then I think, stop. You know, and I think of what my dad always taught me, is work hard, 
work hard. You can read, can't you? Figure it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can read, figure it out, ask questions, learn, mm-hmm. and grow. Mm-hmm. And that imposter syndrome, put that bad boy aside. Because yeah. yeah. you belong where yeah. you are. Right. That's no, that's awesome. so important and really valuable, I think, to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I think for some, you know, imposter syndrome is something that's fleeting, like it comes and goes. Mm-hmm. There are moments where you feel amazing and you're like, yes, I'm supposed to be here. Like, look what I've done. Look what and, I've, yes, then, I belong here. And then right? you move on to your next challenge then and it starts yeah. all over again. <laughs> exactly. Right? Yeah, exactly. You're your next period of growth. and Right, and you wonder, am I supposed to be here? Yeah. Um, yeah. I think for even some people it's more chronic um, where it's, it's just a consistent sense of anxiety or feeling like mm-hmm. you don't belong. But it's like you said, like what you said with what your dad said, right? Just work hard. You can read, can't you? Figure it out, right? right? That, that type of advice, I think, is, is very, very helpful to many who I'm sure experience it yeah. often. Yeah. Yeah. So... But yeah, I think that's great. Um, Thank you, man. This has been so valuable. I'm, I was I was so excited when you agreed to do this podcast. <laughs> of I was course, like, Terry's coming. <laughs> and um, something <laughs> stuck out to me that you mentioned earlier when you talked about uh, how you are here to serve, mm-hmm. and how it's not about Terry. It's about the students. It's about the faculty. It's about the staff. It's about being an advocate. Well, I am so. honored, super honored that you guys asked me to be yeah. part of your podcast. I love it. Two profs in a pod. Yeah. I love it. You have lots to share. You yeah. have lots of knowledge. And thank you for letting me be a part of it. Thank you. Yeah, well, thank, thank you. you. Thank Yay. you for your time.